1: toyota let's go places
0: hey everybody we're going on tour in 2017 so listen up that's right you can get all the deets at SYSKLive.com current
1: cities who love us toronto vancouver atlanta
0: chicago minneapolis
1: no they don't love us so much in chicago
0: oh yeah they're coming around though
1: and austin doesn't love us so we need chicago and austin to come out and see us so you can explain why there's no love
0: yeah, and everybody else, go to SYSKLive.com and buy your tickets now, because they're going fast.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry Jerome Rowland. Put the three of us together, get us to talking. You got stuff you should know. And you have afternoon tea. <laughs> I am having some tea right now. I see that. Yeah. It's um What's that Tazo stuff with the passion fruit and uh you know, hibiscus and everything?
1: I think that's the Tazo passion fruit hibiscus tea.
0: Oh yeah, that one. Is <laughs> that
1: Buzz Marketing?
0: Yeah. You we well, could buzz market for worse than tea, I guess. Yeah. Like, Maybe a local heroin dealer who, who's, who puts fentanyl in it without telling you. Yeah, I'd like to That'd talk be bad a little bit about
1: marketing. Jimmy on the Corner.
0: <laughs> right. We should probably not talk too much about heroin, though, Chuck, because I'll bet you this episode gets played in a decent amount of, like, middle schools.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad we got in a couple of jokes early on because um I think ghost fishing will rank alongside, like, the MS show and the HIV shows as – the least funny things to talk
0: about. Yeah, it is pretty sad actually. And I, I was want to actually to find ways for humor. And I
1: was like, eh, this is really awful and sad.
0: Well, we'll just take our usual tack where if it if it rears its head, we'll we'll jump on it and yeah. shake it around and hold it up for everybody to see. Yeah, I that's, think that's how we do it. I
1: think one of the things that was most depressing depressing uh depressing to me was the uh I didn't know about all this. And I'm like I'm in mid-40s and I'm just learning about
0: this. Well, you know how we learned about it. You remember first hearing about this. We got an email from, and I feel like such a heel. We got an email from a class, like a group um, in a class. I want to say it was probably a middle school class who had done a project on ghost fishing. And they said, you know who would want to do an episode on this is Josh and Chuck. So they're the ones who brought this to our attention. I don't remember And that. I cannot find the email. It's gone. So I'm very sorry, group from class that I can no longer identify. But you guys, yeah. if you wrote in to tell us to do an episode about ghost fishing and gave us some sources to start with, you're the only ones who did. So we're talking about you.
1: I think it was Mrs. Bailey's oceanography class at. That's uh, right. At uh, Sherman Hemsley Middle School in <laughs> in uh, Round Rock, Texas.
0: Man, that show, Amen, was all right. <laughs> I never watched that. Oh, you didn't? It was pretty good. I mean, it was just basically George Jefferson as a preacher. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Because I love watch the George, Jeffersons. You could watch him do anything. You know? Sure. George Jefferson as a garbage man. George right. Jefferson as the president. George Jefferson as uh, rescuing sea turtles for ghost fishing. <laughs> is he still with us? I don't know. All right. So um, we should, this is definitely one of the ones we should not just start talking about without defining it first. Most yes. people don't know what ghost fishing is.
1: Yeah, and sadly, like you said before we hit record, Jerry uh always asks us what we're doing today and you said ghost fishing which sounds a lot cooler than it is. Yeah. Uh when I when you sent it over I was like, "Ooh, ghost fishing.
0: Ooh, spooky.
1: <laughs> that sounds really neat." Uh but it's no, there's
0: nothing neat about it. No. No. But it does have a cool name, agreed.
1: Yeah, uh technically the definition is called abandoned, lost or discarded fishing gear. Yep, A L D F G, and what this is is professional commercial fishing gear, uh, and I'm sure there's a, a small amount of recreational fishing gear, but that's not the real issue. Sure, but commercial fishing gear that has been uh, left out to sea that then goes on to just kill and maim sea life
0: for hundreds of years.
1: Yeah, it's it's awful.
0: Yeah, and it's a real really big problem like just to give one example we'll, we'll kind of go around the world a little bit later but just in the northeast atlantic um they 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 found in one fishery so if you if you look at a, a sea that an entire sea's going to have like different fisheries different areas where there're like lots of fish typically yes in just one of those little spots in one sea in the world they found something like 25,000 nets this is what they estimated 25,000 nets totaling about twelve hundred and fifty kilometers in length that were lost every year, every year. So I want to put that into scale. Right. I, I, I did a little Google mapping. Yeah. Twelve hundred fifty kilometers will get you from New York to Chicago. It Big will Mac- get you f- Yeah. Yeah. How many Big Macs? At like one hundred million. All right, um, it will get you from Brisbane to Canberra. Don't know where that second place is they're they're both in Australia, okay, and then uh, it will also get you a little under a round trip between London, London and Edinburgh. Wow, yeah, so it's a that's a lot of netting, and that's just what's lost in that one fishery every year.
1: Yeah, we might as well just throw out a few of these because this is going to be a lot of staggering stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.N. Environmental Program, UNEP, and the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Na- uh, Nations, uh, and this is a conservative estimate, they said that 640,000 tons of fishing gear are left in the oceans each year.
0: Yeah, I did another a little bit of more Googling. You ready? Okay. That that is equal to five hundred and fifty six thousand five hundred and twenty one Ford Fiestas just dumped in the ocean <laughs> every did you year by weight. Pick out Ford Fiestas <laughs> just to sully I, their name. I don't know, because uh, I mean Ford Fiesta is a a, a well selling car all around the world, so everybody yeah. knows what a Ford Fiesta looks like. I probably couldn't pick one I out on the it. road, but sure, you could too. <laughs> you would just know intuitively that that's a Ford Fiesta.
1: Uh, here's another example. Um, Washington State, right here in the United States, um, they did a little uh, cleanup job there recently. And we'll get to the cleanup efforts because it is happening on a mm-hmm. smallish scale, uh, hopefully increasing. But uh, in this one area, they, got, uh, they wrangled 870 ghost nets, um, and that contained more than 32,000 marine animals. Yeah. 32,000. And, and this is just in one part of
0: Washington state. And and if you say, well, who cares about marine animals? Well, everyone. That included 500 birds and mammals. Yeah. And we're talking like, like big, big mammals, like whales. This affects everything from whales on down to little tiny fish. These things are just out there floating around. They get loose um, one way or another. And they just float through the oceans. And they can travel very, very long distances. Yeah. And along the way, animals get trapped in them. I mean, the whole point of commercial fishing gear is to trap animals. The problem is, is when you when they're operating correctly, they're reeled in and they bring the animals with them, and then people eat them, and you can have issues with that or whatever. But at least they're not just completely going to waste, which is the problem with ghost fishing. These things are like floating little islands of death that trap all manner of sea life. Um, and then they just die one way or another, either very quickly, depending on whether they need to breathe, like they're a marine mammal and they can't surface, or they're, um, a, a sea turtle that, um, that, that can't feed any longer because it's, it's got a, um, a net growing around its mouth because it stuck its head through a loop when it was a juvenile.
1: Yeah. And said, Oh, what's in there? That looks neat. Let me stick my face in it. And now I have a net and then I grow bigger and the net stays there, uh, and, potentially cuts into my skin and becomes yep. a part of me.
0: Like little turtle mothers tell their turtle babies this, like, don't put your head through a loop. Oh, yeah. Just like they, the human mothers tell their kids, don't stick your arm out of a school bus. Yeah. Same, same thing, I would guess.
1: Uh, here's another stat. The World Animal Protection uh, Group estimates that uh, getting snared in ghost gear kills about 136,000 seals, sea lions, and large whales every year and and you know some of these animals are already endangered uh so any conservation efforts are being uh at the very least uh, blunted by or stunted i guess mm-hmm. both yeah by you know these other things going on it's just right. it's it's a staggering problem this um the plastics that they use i mean back in the day they used to actually not even that long ago nets were made of things that would biodegrade like sometimes they were cotton or hemp Mm-hmm. Um and now you know as we quote advance unquote with synthetics they have these plastics that these things could be out there for five or six hundred years. Yeah, and when they it, if they do break up, then the animals eat that stuff and die.
0: Yeah, do you Just remember that. our our uh, Great Pacific Garbage Patch episode from years and years ago?
1: Yeah, that factors in for sure.
0: Yeah, well, so a lot of this stuff goes in and is attracted to that, that, those huge gyres out there in the ocean. And we talked about in, in that episode about how plastic photodegrades when it's just out there in the sun. Yeah. The motion of ocean currents combined with the sun photodegrading it, it breaks it down into smaller and smaller bits that become part of the food chain. Which is not good. You don't want your food chain eating petroleum based plastics. No. And that's what commercial fishing gear is made out of, which again, that's why it lasts so long, hundreds of years. Um, which is what you want. You want something very durable in your fishing gear, but when it gets loose, it's a big problem. And like you said, it's a fairly recent problem too, because it wasn't that long ago, like that people were using nets that degraded a lot, a lot easier.
1: Yeah. I mean, it says, uh, it says in here, I'm not sure where you source this, but. 50 or 60 years ago. So in the history of fishing, this, this synthetic, uh, netting is pretty new. Right. Um, and this isn't just like, and we're going to talk a lot about animals because that's sort of the, the main problem, but, um, it's an issue to the industry too. Like, uh, it says right here that, uh, here in the U S, they've estimated that, uh, one single ghost net that's lost. -hmm. Or discarded or whatever can kill almost $20,000 worth of Dungeness Crab over a 10 year span. Yeah. It's just one net. Right. And then there's like. You could buy, you could buy
0: seven Ford Fiestas (laughs) with that amount of money.
1: (laughs) I knew you'd get some comedy in there. (laughs) Uh, and then there are, you know, the small vessels, uh, small and even larger vessels that can get tangled in the stuff. There are divers Mm -hmm. that can't navigate through this stuff. So there is a bit of a human impact as well. Right. Um, I think we should take a break, though, because I'm getting hot under the collar. Okay. And uh, we'll come back and talk about more of this stuff right after this.
2: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
0: Dell Tech Fest starts now to thank you for 40 unforgettable years Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right. You can unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, the most advanced
1: features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories.
0: And when you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything.
1: That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's D-E-L-L dot com slash deals.
0: All right, Chuck. So we we've kind of given a good overview, but let's get into just how fishing gear could kill marine animals. And there's, there's a number of different ways and it kind of depends on the animal. Sure. So to start off with, um, we, we mentioned how a sea turtle might be like, Oh, what's, what's on the other side of this loop? Danger, right? Yeah. Um, young, uh, seal pups might be doing the same thing. Ugh. There's a very famous picture of a turtle with a six pack ring.
1: Yeah, man. Um, oh, I've seen that
0: and its shell is normal size on either side of the six pack ring, but then it looks like it's one of those waist trainer. Yep. Um, people who have, have worn a corset for 10 years. It's basically the same thing that nylon. That's exactly what this commercial fishing gear is made out of. It's made out of plastic nylon or nylon plastic. And, um, it, it holds fast. And when it, when a turtle gets stuck in it or gets it stuck around them, uh, when they're young, as they grow, it basically they have to grow around this thing. Yeah, and it's not good. It's not good for your physiology. It's not good for locomotion. You're going to be a um, a stunted little turtle when you grow up like that.
1: Yeah, they. Uh, I think you mentioned obviously marine mammals that need to surface. Um, mm-hmm. They could die within minutes uh, just because they're simply trapped. Uh, they can be asphyxiated, uh, through like immediately like that or through, you know, over the course of months and years, die slow, awful, more awful deaths. Right. Uh, they can prevent them from feeding. Like, like you said, if something gets wrapped around their mouth and they literally just can't open their mouth, they will starve to death.
0: Or locomotion can be affected too, right? So if you are a slow turtle. Yeah. You're going to have trouble going after food um and you may starve to death like that as well.
1: Yeah, or, you know, swim in circles for the rest of your life. Right? Cuz like one side of your right. body is entangled.
0: Right. Um so you said there's there you can kind of break down the the manner of death into acute or chronic. One of the sad chronic ones that got me was from towing, right? Yeah. So let's say you're a a, a whale, you're a decent sized mammal. Thank you. you. You're swimming you're swimming <laughs> along. And you get a net stuck on you, like like held fast. You're stuck. Yeah. You could still conceivably swim along for a while, for a very long while. But now you have basically what amounts to an extra appendage, a ghost net dragging from you. That's bad enough as it is because these nets are enormous. Like I was reading about tuna nets. Some tuna fishers use these nets that fall like 700 feet deep and are a mile wide. Yeah. So you get a segment of that, even just a segment of one of those nets on you, it's going to drag you down and make it harder for you to just move normally. But then on top of that, that net is probably going to catch other animals yeah. over time. So not only are you dragging this net, you're also dragging all the animals who have been caught in that same net and um, have probably died. And then eventually you're just going to not be able to keep up any longer and you 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 drown.
1: Yeah, like I can't imagine a lot of things more uh just shameful for uh, for humans than seeing uh, a blue whale dragging a 100-foot net full of dead sea animals behind it yeah, until it dies. That's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> like I I couldn't even have conceived of something that awful until yeah. I learned about this stuff.
0: It it's last word is why. Yeah. Seriously, Humans. Um, I know this is not a. It's not a happy episode. Oh no, man, it's not a. It's and the other problem is is. I think this is one reason a lot of people haven't heard of this too. It's like God, how many more problems can we have to deal yeah, with? Yeah, I know. It's just add one more to the pile, and it makes it really hard not to just get like, like, catastrophe fatigued. Yeah. You know, but you just, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't let it happen. You gotta go take a break, shake it off and come back at it with, with vigor. Or you need to say this one, this one means something to me. Sure. So much so that I'm actually going to do something about this. I'm not just gonna like cluck my tongue and shake my head and keep scrolling through my Twitter feed. I'm gonna do something about this. No matter whether it's dealing with ghost fishing or dealing with climate change or whatever. Strikes you in that way, go after it. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's probably the best thing you can do that rather than trying to take on everything at once.
1: I totally agree, man. And, and I also, uh, poo poo the idea that like, well, you can't say this is bad when you still do this.
0: Yeah. That, no, it can all be bad. Yeah. And like, you can't,
1: not everyone can tackle everything. So if you, want to be a an advocate for for dogs on the street and go do that um like because the obvious thing would be for people to say well don't eat fish don't support the industry right and like how can you eat how can you be uh, a dog advocate and still eat fish right this is going on
0: you're worse than hitler
1: (laughs) but i I say like find whatever is meaningful to you and try and affect change there right uh as best you can yeah but you know
0: we're and no then experts. you can say uh I spent every weekend for the last year cleaning up ghost fishing nets and saving seal pups. What did you do, Judgy? <laughs> uh
1: so uh, how does this happen? I th- I think that's an enough like we've hit people over the head pretty hard with this stuff. Are you sure? I think I mean there'll be some more stats in here but okay. I think they get the point. All right. Um how does this stuff happen? Uh and I'm and I'm asking us both and I'll go ahead and say one thing. Okay, is sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes there's bad weather, <laughs> um, and you you have to abandon your gear.
0: Yeah, there was a, a 2009 um, United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization report that found that most ghost fishing gear is not intentionally discarded. That most of it is accidentally lost. Right, which is good. That that makes you feel a little better.
1: Right, and it's not yeah. just fishermen going like, "Who cares? Cut it loose."
0: Yeah. See you in hell, see. But that, that also does happen. It does, sadly. It's nice to know that that's not the bulk of it. Right? right. So the, when it's unintentional, when it's accidental or, or something like that, an act of nature, a lot of times it's just, um, severe weather, like a big storm comes up and just breaks your lines and all of a sudden all of your nets are lost. And yeah. believe me, if you're a commercial fisherman, that is about the worst thing that can happen to you short of sinking while you're out. You know, sure. Especially if your net was already full and you're reeling it in and you lost it because of nature. Yeah. Um That's 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 bad for everybody.
1: Uh, another thing that can happen is uh, and this is the, one of the bad ones. Mm-hmm. You could be have illegal gear or be fishing illegally, maybe using a method you shouldn't or in a place you shouldn't be. Right. And you uh there's what's called enforcement pressure and you abandon your gear because you don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. You high tail it, it out loose. of there, basically.
0: And just kind of whistle. Like I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> um, there's also, uh, what they call spatial pressure, where if you have some nets floating along and a, another boat comes into the area, doesn't see it and runs over them, basically cuts them loose from their moorings, then that has just become ghost fishing gear itself.
1: Yeah. The economic pressure. I don't fully get this. What I would imagine that could mean is you know, it would cost us more to go out and retrieve these things yes than to just go back to to port and get these guys off the clock.
0: That's part of it. That is definitely part of it. I I think like if you're I think more often than not is if your gear is all torn up or whatever and oh, right. if you take it back to port uh, and you're charged a fee for dumping it uh-huh. because it's considered waste. Right. Like, I think that's that's how it's treated in the Netherlands. It makes more sense for you to just litter. Right. If you're going to have to pay to have it disposed of properly, the, well, the sea can take it. I'll just cut it loose and look the other way and go back home and say, what fishing gear? I don't have anything to throw away. So that's economic pressure. And to me, we'll talk about later, that is the key to solving ghost fishing, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, um, and, and real quickly, like, uh, I don't think we said for sure. It's not always just nets, um, like crab pots and traps, uh, mm-hmm. nets for sure. Yeah. Uh, fishing line, hooks, rope. And the one that really chafes me is, uh, packing bands. So these, yeah. these bands around bait boxes and stuff, those are clearly just dumped.
0: Oh yeah. They right? just tossed it over the side. Yeah. And that's actually in violation of a United Nations, um, convention from 1973 that basically was looking to stop pollution from ships and um you're not supposed to throw anything over the side from those packing bands to cooking oil that you, right. you fried your french fries in like nothing is supposed to go over the side except possibly fish entrails trails from cleaning fish
1: it's called the don't be a huge jerk convention
0: yeah of 1973 <laughs> that was a heck of a convention uh, so some of the indirect, it was, wasn't it? It was basically like a Max FunCon convention.
1: I remember that. And, uh, Fred Rogers, that was the keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. It was pretty great. Yep. Uh, some of the indirect causes, and, and we'll see here in a bit, uh, one of the biggest, biggest problems is, uh, like you said, when you come back in with maybe unwanted fishing gear and there's nowhere to dispose of it, um, just simply a lack of these facilities at port. Uh is a big big problem, yeah, and that could is that what you said could fix it all
0: no putting it making changing it from being an economic burden uh, to an sure. economic incentive right right to bring in your old fishing gear I think that'll change it, but that's what you just said is a huge part of that, yeah, you need to have places for people to either take it and get money in exchange for their old stuff uh-huh. or at the very least to just throw it in a bin somewhere.
1: Yeah, not it, get charged for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you, you know, if you, if you know that you can just throw it away right when you get to shore, it's only going to take up that space on your way back in. Um, there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to litter a mile wide net, you know? Yeah. Especially, and especially if you can get money for it.
1: Yeah. And another one of the big problems here, uh, in this one article you sent was it's, I think, you know, these, these commercial fishermen are, I, I used to watch Deadliest Catch. I know how these guys are. Uh, they're notoriously stubborn, uh, about new, uh, technologies or ironically it wouldn't be a new technology if they tried to go back to biodegradable nets. Right. But just convincing these, uh, these men and women to add extra expense or add an extra trip to buy something that will help the, the environment. It's a hard sell, even though, like, dudes, you're costing yourself crab money because, (laughs) like, twenty grand one lost net can cost twenty thousand dollars worth of crab over ten years. I think they live more in the trip to trip mindset.
0: Yeah, but I think that their industry as a whole thinks of it as like the over ten year kind of thing, and so from what I understand, the industry's kind of woken up to this a little more. And it's starting to take measures a little bit. And we'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's entirely possible that individual fishermen are just kind of like, it's just not worth it.
1: Yeah, this one quote in here really kind of drives it home. And I'd never heard of the phrase tragedy of the commons, um, but I like it. It says, as as with so many tragedy of the commons scenarios, the responsibility to act lies with everyone and the incentive with no one. And that kind of drives it home. There's no like, you know, a lot of times they're in international waters. Right. Uh, they're... I know when they have made inroads with some of these big commercial companies, they're a little hesitant to get too involved because all of a sudden their n- name is printed in an article, even if they're trying to do the right thing, just being associated with this stuff they don't even want. Right. You know, even if they're trying to help out a little bit.
0: Yeah, because again, it's just one more problem, one more issue, you know?
1: Yeah, like if a company stood up and said, so-and-so company is is making an effort to uh, now do this, then... The flip side is like, well, what have you been doing? <laughs> that's true. And why did it take this long?
0: Yeah, that's definitely true.
1: And so companies are a little reticent to even get involved, you know.
0: Yeah, but I think um, as of 2015, there was a, a kind of a new initiative that started that's that's bringing more people into the fold and making it safe to join up.
1: I remember there was a uh, man. There was a McDonald's something. I can't remember
0: the McDLT. No. McPizza.
1: It it was some new sandwich or something that said it's like now made with like real chicken or something like that. (laughs) And that was like, you put that on a sign? (laughs) Right. Because everyone that saw that was like, what was I eating Mm -hmm. for the past 30
0: years? No, with ingredients that may not kill you. (laughs) Um, Let's take another break and then we'll come back. We'll take a quick trip around the world, and then we'll talk about what some people are doing to to combat ghost fishing.
1: Yeah, a little bit of good news.
0: Okay.
1: Hey, Sarah! I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. Omg, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
0: Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right, you can unleash more possibilities with cutting edge systems, the most
1: advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must have electronics and accessories.
0: And when you shop online at Dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to state of the art technology to match your forward thinking spirit and free shipping on everything.
1: That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at Dell.com slash deals. That's D E L L.com slash deals.
0: All right, Chuck, we're back and we're in the home stretch. We're going to solve this problem, but first let's go, uh, shame different parts of the world.
1: Yes. Let's, uh, how about we step onto my little dinghy and, um, uh, wait, what? take a trip around the world. Oh, okay. It'll take us a while because my little dinghy is slow, <laughs> right. but we'll get there eventually. Let's head to the Northeast Atlantic.
0: Yeah, where well, we already talked about the 25,000 nets that are tossed in there every year. All right. We've already
1: been there. And so I just wasted our three months getting there. <laughs> no. all, apologies. All right. So we're stuck in the Northeast Atlantic. I apologize. It's now going to take us six months to navigate, uh, through, uh, the Midwest of the United States through Nebraska and Kansas in our boat.
0: Maybe we should, we're portaging. <laughs>
1: uh, that's a long portage all the way to the Northeast. Pacific,
0: yeah, in Washington State.
1: Well, that would be Northwest. Well, Northeast Pacific Ocean, I guess.
0: Northwest U.S. Yes, sorry about but, that. But yeah, Northeast Pacific. So Washington State has, uh, oh man, we already talked about this too. Remember, out of eight hundred and seventy gill nets, they rescued or they found thirty-two thousand. Man, we we already made it here.
1: I hate backtracking.
0: All right, let's <laughs> come on, let's carry it back.
1: Um. All right, let's go to the Northwest Atlantic. All right. We, we Surely we haven't been there.
0: I don't believe we have.
1: The Gulf of St. Lawrence, for God's sake? No, we haven't. Okay. Snow crab. This is one snow crab fishery. Um They lose about 800 traps a year mm-hmm. in this one fishery. And uh some say that each fisher, like each boat, may lose up to 30% in a year of their right. traps.
0: And this is an old, like... This isn't an old fishtail. That's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Chesapeake Bay office saying that. An
1: old fishtail? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't Finding Dory.
0: <laughs> I never saw that one, but I did like, um, what was it? Nemo? Finding Nemo, Nemo the... I think, right? Uh, okay.
1: I haven't seen either one of them.
0: Oh, you haven't seen Finding Nemo?
1: No. I, I uh, didn't... Well, save it. Save it. Well, Emily doesn't like any of those movies um, oh, yeah? ever. so Because kinda... they make her cry? Yeah, cause every one of them has some sort of sad death. Like she got after Bambi when she was a kid. She's like, I'm uh, done.
0: Yeah. This one, this one has that too.
1: Yeah. Most of them do. And I said, that's a, a really significant movie. reason.
0: It's a good movie.
1: Well, that's why I, I mean, that's the theory is that that's why they do that is to kind of
0: teach kids about death. Sure. Because I mean, it's so sanitized and like kept out of sight in our society. That's it, a good service.
1: All right. Finding Nemo's on the list then. Where yeah, should,
0: you'll like it. You won't regret seeing it.
1: Where should we go next? Uh, Southwest, Southeast Asia?
0: Um, well, the Arabian Sea, let's make a little stop over there. Oh, they wow. actually, uh, they're all woke over there. They figured out that their people were losing back in 2002, about 260,000 traps per year. Wow. Yeah. Which is a problem, not just for like, say, the lobster or crab or shrimp that they're intended for. They, um, they, there's a lot of bycatch that, Say like a, a lobster trap can, can yeah. catch as well, like fish can make their way in there too. So you've got 260,000 traps just floating around, no longer providing any seafood for anybody. They're just death traps, literal death traps. That's a problem. And so the um, United Arab uh, Emirates um, ruled that you had to put a biodegradable like face or panel. Uh On the traps from, from that point on, from 2002
1: on. Oh, so eventually they would just open?
0: Yeah. Eventually that one, that one fish that came in last would be freed while the other ones were like, I wish I
1: would have. Uh, in the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico, this is pretty staggering around, uh, Guadalupe. Uh, they lose about half of their traps every year during hurricane season.
0: Yep.
1: Which is about 20,000 traps.
0: Yeah. Half, man. That's crazy. And then in, uh, Louisiana alone, they think that they lose four to 10 million blue crabs lost to their traps just in Louisiana. Wow. Four to 10 million blue crabs lost.
1: All right. So this has all been super depressing. Um, what can be done about it? Uh, people are, are trying to take action. There was an, uh, an initiative in, 2015 in London, uh, founded by the World Animal Protection. It's an NGO uh, and the Global Ghost Gear Initiative. It's a pretty cool name. Yeah, it is. Uh, and here's the deal. Like, sadly, when you're first getting efforts like this going, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is like simply gathering data because it's hard to get support because uh, people say, well, what's the data? What's it looking like? And if you say, well, we don't really have great data yet, then they're kind of grounded. Oh, so, well,
0: You don't got good data. Oh.
1: Yeah. So the very first steps, um, is evidence building and sure. reviewing policies and kind of not rubber meets the road kind of things. But unfortunately, those have to be the first steps.
0: Right. But they're, they're starting to gather data from some of the rubber meets the road stuff. Yeah. Um, so like if we can go back over to the Pacific Northwest. Right? Yeah. To the Northeast Atlantic. Um, I think there's like a a little pilot program in Washington state, uh, to like clean up ghost fishing stuff. And, and from, I think 2010, um, or no, 2007, they were, they recovered 481 lost gill nets, right? Yeah. So this kind of stuff where you've got people, I think they, they, they had like a few million dollars from the government and just started a, a program. Um, when you've got people doing these things and then you have a central organization like the Global Ghost Gear Initiative, then the gears start moving. The the wheels start moving like things start happening because then yeah. you start to generate the data. And then you can start to make the press releases. Then you can start to like get the uh, the public aware of this kind of thing. And then you get pressure on industry and then industry shapes up.
1: Yeah, here's one of my favorite things, too, and this is not just for this industry and this problem, but one of my favorite, favorite things in the world is when someone comes along and says, hey, I'll take that waste product you have because I can mm-hmm. use it.
0: That's what I'm saying is going to be the key.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is already happening a little bit Uh because, like a lot of things, you can generate power through some of this stuff. So that's one way uh that I think there's a company called NetWorks.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a, like a org. Oh, an org? Uh huh. Yeah. It's like a, there's a, a few companies that came together to, to make networks, I think.
1: Well, in their case, I don't think they're turning it into energy, but they're turning, uh, fishing nets into
0: carpet tiles. Carpet tiles. Boom. Great. Right. There is one called Fishing for Energy that's like Noah, Covant- Covanta Energy. Oh, right. And then, of course, Schnitzer Steel. Yeah. The face of Ghost Gear. <laughs> they, um, <laughs> they all came together and started, putting um, gear recycling outposts in I think 11 states, all over the place, all over the coasts of 11 states, so that when fishermen come in, whether you're just a, a little solo person and you've got some monofilament line left over uh-huh. or you're a commercial guy, you can just throw your old gear in here and it gets recycled, right? And then they take it, and I think Schnitzer Steel um, takes it and, and gets strips all the metal from it for recycling, And then what's left goes to Covanta energy and they turn it into energy. I looked high and low to exactly how they do that and I couldn't find it. So it makes me a little nervous about what they're doing to turn this into energy, but they supposedly have created enough energy from the stuff that they've, um, that's been recycled to power like 2200 homes for a month. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is stuff that otherwise would have just gone out stayed out in the sea and drowned whales yeah. and, and turtles
1: you like skateboarding sure there's a, a sustainable skateboard retailer named uh b-u-r-e-o bureo and they are turning uh fishing nets into skateboards Yep. like how cool is that
0: yeah it is pretty cool because they're actually buying fishing net from fishermen yeah. like they're they use stuff so they're giving money for it and then they're turning around and using it to recycle. It's pretty cool. And then there's, there's a lot of stuff you could do if you're, if you don't have a skateboard company or you're not an energy company. Um, there's a group called ghost fishing and they, um, I, I think that's what they're called, right? Ghost fishing. I'm not it's sure just, which one is this. It's just ghost. I think it's just ghost fishing. Anyway, um, they, yeah, they're they're a group of divers. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. They were wreck divers in the North Sea. I think they were originally based maybe in the Netherlands. Um, and they noticed on these wrecks that, like, there was tons of, like, ghost gear. Apparently, it's a big problem with shipwrecks. So that's why it's kind of dangerous for humans. And then also gets caught up on coral and stuff, too. So they started cleaning up. They took it upon themselves to start cleaning up some of these wrecks. And then little by little... This little group of like friends that were, you know, wreck divers that started cleaning it up, started making connections with other groups of divers all yeah. around the world. And now all of a sudden the uh, ghost fishing, I think ghost fishing alliance or initiative is, um, this, this multinational network of people who love scuba diving and who spend some of their scuba diving time cleaning up ghost nets. And there's actually pictures of these people like, freeing seal pups from yeah. ghost fishing nets, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, Like, if you're into scuba diving, there's something you can do right there.
1: Yeah, I imagine there are not many better sleeps at night you can get than having spent your day <laughs> freeing seal pups.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you so. You probably sleep pretty well. I would guess too. Uh,
1: in Australia, we can't leave you out. Uh, there are a couple of cool things going on there. Um, there's a program uh, called, uh, or a group called Ghost Nets Australia, and they've been partnering with indigenous uh, groups uh, to basically help cleaning up, you know, this stuff in individual areas. Right. Uh, and then there's a, another fishery. Like, we kind of have been picking on the fisheries and some of these companies, but um, some are getting on board. There's one in Australia uh, called the Northern Prawn Fishery. So definitely give them your support if you live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're working with the World Animal Protection Group to uh, – they report sightings, they report – Go skier locations, basically like here's where it is at least. And sometimes they're even involved in retrieving some of this stuff and setting some of these animals free when they come across it.
0: Yeah, I think that's like that's part of it. You know, there's there's you got to have the the government involved to set up, you know, recycling stations or whatever to fund pilot programs to get the data going. But and then with industry, you have to educate industry. You have to give them financial incentives to keep their nets Bring to bring them back ashore, yeah. And then because they're also the ones who are out there in the sea to 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 make it so that it's a it's it's they have incentive to stop and and take in ghost gear when they see it. Yeah. And part of that is like what just happened for North Prong fishery. They just got free advertisement for being the good guys because they got involved.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So good. I think we just solved the problem. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll give you another shout out too. There's a brewery from Delray, Florida, Delray Beach, Florida called Saltwater Brewery. And they made some news recently because they debuted a six pack ring that is made, um, to biodegrade and it's also edible. So it, rather than growing around a turtle or uh, keeping a turtle from growing correctly, a turtle can actually eat the six pack ring when it encounters it. If it makes it into the, to the water. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of the craft breweries don't even use the rings anymore. They have the recycled uh, plastic kind of lid things, you know? Yeah. Good job. You had me at brewery.
0: (laughs) Uh, If you want to know more about ghost fishing or ghost gear, you can type those words into your favorite search bar, uh, and it will bring up some pretty good stuff. And since I said stuff, it's time for listener mail.
1: I'm going to call this one uh, T-shirt ideas. I'm gonna email from a dude that has kind of kept up with our t-shirt names. Mm-hmm. Sure. He wants us to pick, uh, all three of us, to each pick our favorite. Okay. That would be Jerry. Jerry, you just knock like a horse on the ground <laughs> when I get to a t-shirt you like. Hey, guys, love your show and your tangents are hilarious. But what really cracks me up are all the funny band names and t-shirt ideas you come up with. I collected a few of my favorites over the years and the time has come me to turn a few of these t-shirt dreams into realities i'm going to design and print a few t-shirts but my problem is i can't decide which phrases to use so if you could each pick one it would really make my day and there are 12 so starting with number one trusses rock exclamation point that's not bad friends don't let friends ear candle that's actually emily has that shirt so that's a thing oh really yeah okay i think someone might have sent us send that in actually
0: Okay. Yeah, because that's happened from time to time. Like, we got um, mics on, pants off t-shirts before. Uh,
1: Number three, if you have a beacon, a probe, and a shovel, you could be okay.
0: I don't even know what that one's from.
1: (laughs) Well, he tied them to the episodes, but um, for brevity, I'm just going to read these. Okay. Uh, Mystery is weird. I like that one. Not too bad. Uh, To each their own. Eh. Seems a little snotty these days to have that, like, on a shirt. (laughs) <laughs> it's you know?
0: aggressive and hostile. Like
1: yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh Master of Enjambment. That yeah. may be mine. Is it? I think so.
0: So far, mine is Mystery is weird.
1: Uh I listened to the tick episode. I do remember yeah. that.
0: That's for everybody.
1: Uh this one's pretty good. Find your own butter. <laughs> oh, Jerry just knocked on the floor.
0: <laughs> okay, there's Jerry's.
1: Uh I Viking. Boy, that's an old one. Yeah. Uh, natural Selection, colon, it just makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. A little preachy.
1: Um, <laughs> don't Scrutinize Me. That's aggressive. Mm-hmm. And finally, Let's Wash Our Hands as
0: Often as Possible. <laughs> is that Mine t-shirt? is Mine's definitely Mystery is Weird.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with Master of Enjambment, and Jerry uh, definitely likes Find Your Own Butter. Okay. In fact, I think Jerry said that to me in this office.
0: Who was that... Uh, that- uh, wrote that in.
1: That is from Steve Rickert in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Steve. And he said, if you send me your shirt sizes, uh, I'll be sure to make an extra of each. So I'm an XL. Mm-hmm. You're probably a what, large?
0: Yeah, man, I'm right on the border between like large being a little drapey and medium, like really showing off way too much. <laughs> All right, TMI. So is Pick there something in between medium and large? <laughs> I guess large. Jerry,
1: what are you? Jerry's a medium.
0: Did she stamp that out? She did.
1: Medium unisex, she said. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, he closes with PPS. uh, In a place and time where people with big platforms often use their voices to create division. So refreshing to listen to your show. I admire the respect you show to all people and the effort you put into being inclusive and empathetic. Yes. Thank you, Steve.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. But hey,
1: find your own butter.
0: (laughs) All right. Everyone turn on Steve. (laughs) Uh, If you want to be like Steve and just come up with a great email, well, you can start by tweeting to us if you don't like the email. I'm at Josh underscore um underscore Clark. Uh, We're also at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant or slash Stuff You Should Know, either one of those two. Uh, You can send us all an email to StuffPodcast at houseworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members
2: are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully (laughs) human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break.
1: Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey, everyone. The Easter Bunny is coming early this year. That's right. Easter is Sunday, March 31st, and with free in-store pickups, CVS makes it easy to get everything you need for brilliant baskets and happier hunts. You can find delightful toys, Peeps-themed egg decorators, pre-filled Easter eggs packed with goodies, and so much more. So hop to it and get your order fast with free CVS pickup. Visit cvs.com Easter for details.